All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities strengthen your intuition and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome back for season two of the Biohacker Babes. We are so excited to be kicking off 2020 with episode 26, all about optimizing brain function. So we thought we'd kick off the new year with multiple episodes on brain health because we think it's going to be a really big health trend in 2020. More people are talking about the gut-brain connection. I think more people are experiencing fatigue and brain fog and really want to optimize brain function. So we thought, what a, what a great topic to start the new year with. And as we were diving into different topics of brain health, we just continued to add more episodes and more experts. So we're really going to love all everything brain for the next about maybe six weeks. <laughs> awesome. Happy New Year, everyone. This is Lauren. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited about this. It's so funny. Like, there's just no way we could fit this into one episode. And 
maybe we're going to talk about brain health for the entire year because it really <laughs> just keep it rolling. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we have a lot of exciting experts that we will have on the show coming up. So we're just going to do like a general intro to everything brain health, but it's pretty complex. So woo, hold on, take a deep breath. Okay. So to get started about the brain. So the brain is the most complex tissue in all of the human body. And the brain is an organ. A lot of people will say it's a muscle and you need to work that muscle and we can explain why later, but it is actually uh, an organ. It only weighs three pounds in adulthood, which is really crazy for something that's so important and so complex. It's three pounds, but it is one of our heaviest organs and it is the most oxygen demanding and it uses up to 30% of the body's glucose supply to function. That little word glucose, I'm sure ears are perking up. That does not mean that you need to consume sugar or glucose for brain function. But what we do need to get out of that statement is that it's very essential to maintain proper oxygen and glucose balance and to also maintain a proper stress response balance in the brain because the brain controls everything. Yeah, that's a really good point, Lauren. I mean, the brain controls everything, right? We we use it a lot, hopefully. <laughs> so who is this for? And I have to say anyone with the brain. So which character in Wizard of Oz is it that says, if only I had a brain? Oh, the scarecrow. Oh, yeah, 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 the scarecrow. Yeah. So maybe so he's this is for anyone <laughs> but the scarecrow, but hopefully he gets his brain. Yes. So so definitely anyone with a brain, but I think to go one step further, anyone that has ever struggled with brain fog, poor memory, maybe poor attention, ADD, you know, really any cognitive issues. So we're going to talk about maybe what's causing that and what we can do to overcome that. Yeah, and it seems like this is more and more for people of at least our age group or you know our parents it's not just for the older populations and the elderly which we assume are going to have some memory issues like people our age are really are battling this kids are battling this i mean there's so much depression everyone is yeah now diagnosed with ADHD i mean i think most people have had some experience with maybe their brain not functioning optimally. And that's just such a huge statement about like our overall health status. So it's really something we need to pay attention to. Yeah, we're all being affected by the crappy food, the EMFs from cell phones, towers, everything, the environmental toxins. It, and like our brain is really taking a hit. So you're right. I think every age is affected. And who doesn't want their brain to work better, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please. So why it makes you hotter. I love this. I feel like we haven't done this in a while because we've had so many guests on the show, but we're back to like our original <laughs> template. Why this makes you hotter, brain health. Your brain controls everything. It, it really does determine everything that you are and you do. So without a brain, like we just wouldn't be functioning. So your brain is made of 100 billion neurons and also glial cells. And there's actually like 10 times the glial cells that there are neurons, I think, something crazy. Um, and it's also made of fatty tissue. You've probably heard like the brain is made of fat. It's something like 60% fat. And so all of that stuff, the, the tissue, we are fatheads. We're fatheads. It's a good thing. <laughs> Thanks so much for calling me a fathead. So <laughs> with the tissue, the neurons, the glial cells, what's happening is they are providing constant communication that tell our bodies how to move, how to think, feel, learn 
process. It controls bodily functions. It's doing everything. And 90% of that brain's output influences these involuntary functions. So it's mostly autonomic. So if your brain is not functioning, these actions that are involuntary are probably not going to happen. So from the moment we are born, we are losing neurons. So as we age, that is a fact. We are losing neurons. But a lot of you have probably heard about neuroplasticity, and this has been around for a while. There's a lot of awareness that the brain can actually strengthen the neurons. So even though you are losing neurons, we can stimulate them to make them communicate more efficiently which just makes our brain work more efficiently. We're trying to strengthen the network of neurons to become more efficient. So with this neuroplasticity, we have a greater brain function and that is dependent on stimulation and also like the appropriate chemical environment. And we'll go into all of those factors that affect that. But we do know that we can keep stimulating our brain throughout our entire lives. So just because you're losing neurons does not mean that your brain is degenerating from the time you're a baby up to... Uh, the time that you die, we do have a fighting chance to get stronger and healthier and smarter. Yeah, which is pretty exciting research to think it's not just all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's things we can do. Yeah. Awesome. Can I go ahead and jump into some tips? Yeah. So anytime I'm talking about brain health to clients, I always like to point out there's two factors that you have to look at. This is kind of simplifying everything around brain health. Number one, you have to control inflammation and that's in the body. I mean, I'm talking gut inflammation, brain inflammation, overall inflammation. And you know we love that word. <laughs> so you have to control inflammation. Number two is controlling blood sugar, right? So avoiding that blood sugar roller coaster, making sure we're not ending up insulin resistant, all of, all of the factors that go into that. So to keep it simple, inflammation, blood sugar, that's all you really got to do. But to dive in a little bit deeper, we're going to break down into each category what that really looks like. So as far as nutrition, exercise, stress management, sleep, uh, nutrigenomics, all of that and how that um, ties back into those two categories. So number one, nutrition, can't overlook that. So we know that Alzheimer's is now being called type three diabetes. So that should automatically tell you how important blood sugar control is for your brain. So we're seeing insulin resistance in the brain and that's basically starving the brain. And then there's obviously other factors with Alzheimer's, but eliminating all the added sugar, and then also maybe minimizing carbs depending on your genetics. So any carbs that are going to turn into sugar in the body, that's different for everyone. Like I'm very sensitive to carbs. Like if I have pasta or bread, boom, immediately affects me versus other people maybe can handle that a little bit better. So genetics is a, an important thing there. Inflammation. So avoiding inflammatory foods top on the list is always going to be vegetable oil, canola oil, like those toxic oils. They immediately cause inflammation throughout the whole body. And that's even down to a cellular level. So avoiding those, I think is at the top. Alcohol, canola oil is so awful. I want that to just cease from existence. We should make that our mission to I'm working stop on it from eating canola oil. Yeah. Yeah. It's still in whole foods, which is crazy. I know people are arguing that it's okay. And then they're like, well, it's organic canola oil, but it's and still non-GMO. Affection. Yeah, non-GMO, which I know like that's a whole other issue, but it's affecting the cell membrane. And I know I've talked about this before, but remember with the cell membrane, when you have a healthy membrane, you let nutrients in and toxins can come out. And that's how your cell wants to work. But when you have a malfunctioning of the membrane due to whatever, too many 
things like canola oil, vegetable oil, not enough omega-3s, fish oil, things like that, then you don't get the good nutrients in and then the toxins can actually build up and cause problems. Okay. Wow. That's awesome rant. news. Canola oil. <laughs> no, that was so good. Um, sharing that. Yeah. Um, so alcohol, again, it's a toxin, you know, go back and listen to our alcohol episode, but remember it is a toxin to the brain. That's just how it is. So obviously keeping that in moderation. Wheat and gluten, I know this is very controversial. I'm still a really big fan of avoiding wheat for most people. I mean, we've seen some really good research come out with like Wheat Belly. If you have not read Wheat Belly, I highly recommend that book. You won't want to eat wheat anymore. (laughs) But that talks a lot about brain inflammation. Um, Also like conventional dairy, just because the antibiotics and hormones are really affecting us, causing more inflammation. And then grains, again, this is more a genetic thing. Some people can tolerate the gluten-free grains. Some people can't. So those are your kind of top inflammatory foods. I definitely would recommend staying away from those. But on the other hand, I always like focusing on what you can have or what you can add into your diet. And that's where the anti-inflammatory foods come in. And this is super exciting because it's kind of interesting when you look at the anti-inflammatory food list, it is it kind of crosses over with the brain foods that we think of. So I'll mm. kind of run through a couple of these like blueberries, walnuts, which I love because walnuts, don't they look like a little brain? Yeah, that's a Chinese medicine thing. It looks, yeah. It's like whatever the food looks like, it, like it's good for that organ. Yeah, so cool. yeah. Like avocado, I think is prostate, walnuts for brain. Yeah, anyways, you could go down that list. But mm. so those are great for the brain. Um, Fish, we know, and fish oil, but you really want to look at the fish that are lower in mercury and higher in omega-3s. So that's going to be your sardines, your anchovies, your wild-caught hopefully Alaskan salmon, if you can get access to that. And then even a fish oil supplement, if you can't always get the best fish. And then turmeric, also you may hear it as curcumin, which curcumin is just a piece of turmeric, but that's like curry. So when you're cooking, and Lauren, I know you can't have this because of a genetic. Yeah, it's uh, such a bummer. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the research came about because you know, in India, they eat a lot of curry and researchers were finding that the rates of Alzheimer's and dementia were extremely low in India. So that's how they ended up correlating that and finding some really good brain research on that. So I have kind of been mentioning, you know, it's all personalized. It could be genetics. But so as far as diet, again, you have to try out different diets and see what works best for you. So as far as controlling inflammation, there's such a wide spectrum of diets. You might have something like the autoimmune protocol, autoimmune paleo protocol, GAPS, which is looking more at, so it's gut and psychology. So looking at the gut brain connection, Uh, SCD, again, that's really good for gut issues. So the specific carbohydrate diet. So it's looking at how your gut is breaking down different fibers. So if you're not on the right diet for you, that's going to increase inflammation in the body. So again, be a biohacker, figure out what works best for you. And then some other foods that tend to be problematic for people, you know, lectins, eggs, soy, tomatoes, potatoes, so the whole nightshade family. Nightshades definitely can cause inflammation and I think maybe like 25% of the population is kind of what I've been hearing. So if you don't know if you react to nightshades, cut it out for one week, see how you feel. Does brain fog go away? Does joint pain relieve? Does your energy go up? Anything like that. You'll know within a a week if it's a problem for you. And if it is, then you should cut it out long-term. But if not, I think those foods can be pretty healthy. Yeah. And just to add to that, I mean, I love that you introduced the personalized piece of this, because that's so important to find out what works best for you. But gluten needs to be mentioned. Gluten is one of the worst neurological triggers for inflammation. 
So I really do believe that everyone can benefit from at the very least reducing gluten in the diet because gluten is not the same. I think a lot of people argue, well, we've had gluten around for so long and it was never a problem. Well, gluten's not the same as it used to be because it's now, now it's being hybridized and it's being deaminated, which is making it water soluble. And that's what makes it so toxic. And we can save that for another episode, but especially if you have an autoimmune condition, your brain is going to mistake the gluten for, for tissue in the brain. So do more of your own research on that, but just know that is a very huge trigger for inflammation. Well, and on top of that, we we do know that even in non-celiac patients that gluten does cause this temporary leaky gut. And now we're also seeing leaky gut equals leaky brain. So we're looking at the blood-brain barrier, which is really important. Again, it's kind of like the cell membrane issue. We don't just want anything going up into the brain. So the blood-brain barrier is there to protect us. But when we have leaky gut, we're also seeing leaky brain. So that's another contributor from gluten. Kind of right. So gut health, that's so huge. We have this gut-brain axis. And that's really just like a very intimate relationship between the gut and the brain. They affect each other. And the communication goes both ways. So I think when we're talking about an anti-inflammatory diet, the goal really is to in- reduce intestinal inflammation and to repair the intestinal membrane because the benefits go back and forth. Healthy gut, healthy brain. And yeah. And can I throw something in? I just learned this at the anti-aging conference last weekend. Their um, researchers are seeing that within 10 minutes of brain trauma, that person has leaky gut. Mm, so the 10. brain trauma is in minutes. Within 10 minutes, they're able to test for markers that show leaky gut. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So that's another um, interesting topic to bring up, like where the inflammation is coming from. But because the communication goes in both ways, like you could have brain trauma that affects your gut, but you could have the gut trauma that affects your brain, right? So we're looking at so many different stressors. So it's like outside the brain versus inside the brain. And inside the brain, it's the stuff we've already talked about, like um, blood sugar dysregulation and diabetes head trauma, but then outside we have, in addition to like bodily injuries or like an inflamed gut, we also have the environmental pollutants, we have lack of exercise. Uh, would you say alcohol abuse is, that's outside the brain. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. The balance that they all kind of become intertwined, but it's yeah really important to acknowledge that this is a very delicate relationship and they affect each other. Yeah. And I think more and more people are are focusing gut health to help with like anxiety and depression. I think that's becoming more well-known, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I, there's a lot of people that I feel like this fact is being thrown around more commonly about serotonin being made in your gut. I feel like that's just something that people know now. And that's really awesome. Yay. Mainstream. Yeah. Mainstream. <laughs> yeah. And even like CBD is becoming more mainstream and and for, if for people that don't really know what CBD is doing, one of the main things is it's calming the nervous system, but it's reducing neuroinflammation. So inflammation in your brain, which is one of the reasons why it's so good for sleep, you know, insomnia, anxiety, depression. Um, it's, it's focusing on neuroinflammation. So cool. Yeah. Oh gosh. We're going to be here all day. Cause you just yeah. reminded me, you reminded me of something else. Oh, no. We need to talk about <laughs> the nervous system. So there's a couple different parts of the nervous system, but one that I think we should really focus on is the parasympathetic versus the sympathetic. The healthy brain is going to stimulate your parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest portion. 
and then it's going to dampen the fight or flight, which is your sympathetic. And, and one of our speakers is going to talk a lot about this. Yeah, yeah, true, 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 true. But that comes back to like the healthy balance of a proper stress response because we need the sympathetic stress response to keep us safe. And, you know, like the paleo um, argument is like running from a tiger, but in modern day, it could be like avoiding a car crash, like a, a very quick reaction. But we have too much of that, and that's where we're going to get too much of the chronic stress, which then leads to inflammation. So a healthy brain is going to stimulate the parasympathetic a little bit more. It's really important. Yeah. So, hey, fitness queen, you want to share some of your exercise tips for brain? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Here we are. Exercise does promote healthy brain tissue. There is something called BDNF. If you don't know this acronym, you need to know it. It is brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Oh, I get nervous when I say that out loud. It's long. Um, That's why we call it BDNF. I know. Let's shorten it. Memorize memorize that, everyone. BDNF. (laughs) (laughs) Say it 10 times. So BDNF is a protein that basically like – activates the survival of your neurons. And we talked about the neurons before. You start losing neurons as you age. So these proteins are going to come in and help us protect the neurons that we do have and and also activate that neuroplasticity. So there is a lot of research showing that exercise increases BDNF. And uh, for me, it's a little inconclusive what type of exercise. I was reading through a lot of different studies, and some studies say that low intensity is the best way, steady state. And then there's a lot of research that also say that short bouts of high intensity training are producing the highest levels of BDNF. And we can share all of those studies with you. They're really interesting to read through. Well, I think that just points out how you need to mix up your exercise. Absolutely. And then also like know your body and make sure you're not overtraining is sort of where I was going because being chronically stressed and overtraining is just going to throw everything out of balance. So we want like a little bit of stress response and that's hormesis, right? You're, you're increasing the stress response just a little bit and then you're getting the recovery so you can come back to that balanced state. So, but just like an easy way to start increasing your BDNF is doing like a little bit of steady state cardio in the morning, like go for a brisk walk, especially now, like outside in the cold, get the cold exposure. But HIIT training is, is shown to be effective as well. So um, more to come on that. But BDNF is going to start popping up everywhere, I think, on the internet and in, in your inboxes and on Instagram. I Definitely. Think. Yeah. <laughs> you just planted the seed. Yeah. So Lauren, you started to talk a little bit about stress and how the autonomic nervous system works. And, and we're ha- going to have a future speaker talk a little bit more about that. But just a few things I wanted to highlight with stress is it's something that actually kind of scares me a little bit is we're seeing that chronic stress is linked to a decrease in hippocampal volume. So the hippocampus in the, in the brain, like it's literally shrinking from chronic stress that like that terrifies me. Yes. Yeah. Right. And we need the hippocampus, right? That's our learning memory center. If we have a, a shrunken hippocampus, which is just such a strange visual, but we're not going to be able to process memories. We're not going to be able to learn new new information, you know, it's our processing center. So we need that hippocampus to stay really strong. Well, like, why am I picturing a hippopotamus though? I'm like seeing like a shrinking hippopotamus. <laughs> like, well, we want a, a yeah, big, it, strong, robust hippocampus. 
Well, because most of the pictures, when you see like pictures of the hippocampus or like the gray matter in the brain, it almost looks like a hippopotamus like curled up. <laughs> right? Yeah. Is there a connection with those words? If there is, I oh my thought about that until this knows, very moment. <laughs> yeah, that I haven't either. If someone knows, please write in. Yeah. Maybe hippopotamuses have large hippocampuses. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Something okay. to look into. Awesome. Yeah, we'll come back to that. So in addition to the hippocampal volume being decreased with stress, we also have another part of the brain called the amygdala, which is like our emotional regulation center. And that's how we process fear. And the amygdala actually experiences the opposite effect. Under chronic stress, it gets bigger. We don't necessarily want a bigger, stronger amygdala. We just want balance sort of across the board. Because they're showing like, with chronic stress, if it's getting stronger, then like you'll have a more fearful response. Like a lot of people are experiencing more rage with a bigger amygdala, right? And we'll definitely go into that more because we have an expert that can talk all about that very soon. Yeah. Again, stress balance. Stress is crucial to our survival, but the chronic activation is definitely going to produce detrimental effects on our brain and overall health. Yeah. And then to recover from all that stress that we are going to naturally have, we want to balance it with sleep, one of our favorite topics. And we did talk a lot about this in our two sleep episodes, but just a reminder, you know, when we're sleeping, that's when our brain is detoxing, it's flushing out all the toxins from the day. So it's, think of it as like an internal cleansing process and that's happening through the glymphatic system. So without sleep, we don't get that. And when we have toxins build up in the brain and there's some potential links there with you know d- dementia and Alzheimer's as far as amyloid plaques building up in the brain. So we want to make sure we're sleeping. And some science is actually showing that when we lay on our side, like on our right or left side and we sleep, the glymphatic system works more efficiently than when we sleep on our back. So interesting thought there. Is, also, there, is one side better than the other? I know there's like some conflicting evidence. So I've heard lay on your left side for digestion, but as far as the glymphatic system, I've heard left or right side. Mm. So, so left is the winner? Yeah, I guess that kind of takes the cake. Because I like <laughs> my right side just a little bit more. Oh, I love my right side. I know, I'm the same right. way. But I try and share. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to flip halfway through. Yeah. And then also we know, you know, sleep deprivation, it's considered a chronic stress on the body. And there's a strong link with sleep disorders and cognitive dysfunction, including dementia and Alzheimer's. And now the big question, you know, the chicken or the egg is we're seeing this link between sleep disorders and Alzheimer's. Did these people have sleep disorders that weren't resolved and that led to Alzheimer's? Or were they starting to have these brain issues, dementia, Alzheimer's, and now they're having sleep disorders? So a little bit of the chicken or the egg, but either way, I think we need to be targeting both, both issues. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, the memory consolidation happens during our REM sleep. So deep sleep, I think more is like the cleansing, the detoxing, and then REM, I think a little bit more of memory consolidation. There is a little bit of overflow between different stages of sleep, but we need every stage. We can't just be getting one, right? So Lauren and I are always trying to hack (laughs) more REM sleep. I need more REM. Yeah. I've joked for so long that my memory is not nearly as good as yours. Like you have childhood memories that I definitely don't have. Oh, I have the weirdest memories. (laughs) But you are an amazing sleeper. You're a much better sleeper than I am. So I don't know, like all jokes aside, like (laughs) 
I'm always trying to work on getting more REM and deep sleep to help with my, my memory consolidation. Ever since I started tracking with my aura ring and I've really sort of hacked and figured out when I can get the most REM sleep, I really feel like my memory has been better. My brain function has been much more clear. Interesting. So that's, well, that's good. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else do we have? Next on the list, genetics. We're going to let you introduce this. Yeah. I just wanted to point out two genes that I think are really helpful to know when we're looking at brain function. Number one is the APOE gene, which now some people are like calling it the Alzheimer's gene, you know, whatever you want to call it. But so you want to see if you have a three or four allele. So you're always going to have two alleles, right? Uh, Lauren and I, or, or I'm a three, four. Lauren, are you a three, four or three, three? I'm a three, four as well. You are a three, four. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so three, four is a slight increased risk for Alzheimer's. And then four, four is a dramatic increased risk for Alzheimer's. So again, it's not a fear tactic to figure this out. I think it's just helpful knowledge to have. So we're three, four. So we just know we have to moderate, you know, our saturated fat intake, alcohol consumption. We have to get really good sleep. So it's just different lifestyle factors that we need to focus a little bit more on. So APOE, really easy. You can get it on 23andMe or a lot of labs will just order that separately now, but you want to look for uh, 3, 4, or 4, That's how you know increased risk. And then the BDNF gene, which is the this fun SNP, the RS6265 SNP, this is actually associated with decreased activation of BDNF. So we talked a little bit before about how important BDNF is. So if you have this gene, we actually see that you have greater benefit from physical activity on your working memory if you have this gene. So for Lauren and I, we have this SNP, right? So we want to make sure we're getting regular physical activity in order to boost the BDNF activation. And do you have the AA allele like I have? Um, I don't think so. I think I was only one allele. Because there's AA and there's GG and I'm AA and the AA is definitely shown to have um, the benefits from exercise, whereas GG is like a a little less responsive. But Oh, maybe I was AA. Yeah. I'm just going to encourage everyone to exercise anyways. Oh, no, I'm AG. Oh, okay. So you're split. Yeah. I'm special. (laughs) Still need to exercise. Yes. So helpful. Yeah, those know. are really easy ones to to find out. I mean, 23andMe is everywhere now. If you haven't done it, go do it. What are you Get waiting on for? It. And then take that raw data, funnel it through Found My Fitness. It's pretty cheap and it gives you so much information. Yeah. So just to sort of wrap up these categories, we could go on and on and on and we can't get to everything <laughs> today, but the next two factors on our list would be nature and then community and social interaction. Those things have major, major benefits and links to brain health, but we're gonna save that for our expert interviews because we have some really, really smart guests that can dive a little bit deeper into that stuff. And then, you know, we also can get more into hormones and then neurotransmitters, which are like the chemical messengers for your hormones in the brain. And we'll do more episodes on that for sure. What we really want you to take home today is that the lifestyle factors are going to be the most important and we can get into some supplements and nootropics, which is our debate and controversy for today. But before you add something like a supplement or nootropic to your diet, make sure you're really nailing these factors that we just went through. So just to recap again, that's sleep, stress management, exercise, and nutrition. And that's 
really the goal there is to decrease inflammation and make sure that your blood sugar is regulated. Okay, so here is the debate controversy. Is using nootropics or supplements, uh, nootropics are also called smart drugs, is that considered cheating for brain health? Let's talk about it. Renee, what do you think? I don't think it's cheating. I think if it's available, then why not? You know, and I think some of that controversy is maybe a little bit more with things like modafinil or nicotine. So some of the stronger substances, I would rather go a little more natural, you know, things like ginkgo biloba and some more herbal products. Like I think why not use those? But um, some people get really good benefits from the modafinil and nicotine. Yeah. I'm wondering how many people just freaked out because you just said nicotine. Uh, if you haven't oh. heard about this, you're going to start hearing about it more and more. Nicotine is a really powerful nootropic for brain health, but uh, we won't like blow your minds with that today. Yeah. But so I think you're just saying like synthetic versus natural, right? Like the modafinil is made yeah. in the lab, whereas something like ginkgo is easily found in nature, right? And I think they both hold their weight, but yeah. I think that's like anything. I mean, I don't think it's cheating as long as you're checking off all of the lifestyle boxes, right? Like if you have everything else right. in order, if you have a solid foundation with the sleep and everything else we talked about, then if you're going to get benefit from it, then then why not? Yeah. And, and you just brought up a really good point about the nature. I was actually on a call yesterday with Ben Greenfield and we always end up talking about biohacking things like photobiomodulation and some fancier tech things. And he always gets back to nature. He's like, you know, don't tell a client to go buy a juve red light when they're not even getting outside and grounding on the grass and walking out in the sunshine, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, if you're not already doing that nature foundational piece, don't go and add this $90 nootropic supplement. You know, you can't, I'm going to make up a new quote here. You can't out nootropic a bad lifestyle. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't eat McDonald's and then just hope that this uh, modafinil is going to change your brain. So, right. I mean, I guess it could save you in a, in a situation. I hate to liken it to like a protein bar, but you know, like in some situations, a protein bar is going to save you from eating something worse. Um, yeah. And that goes oh, with definitely. biohacking like at large. Yeah. There's a lot of really expensive equipment and machinery but like in some situations, it really helps. Like I use my Juve light and my human charger because I live in New York City and there's a lot of rain and a lot of clouds and like a lot of gray, gloomy days. Like I don't live on the West Coast and have as much sunshine as some people do. So in that situation, I am choosing the next best case, right? Yeah. You're, you're still day, hacking. You're still hacking. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. But if it's a sunny day, I'm never going to choose like using my fancy equipment over like going outside into the sun. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. You just said that perfectly. I love that. But, uh, you know, nothing is a magic pill. So a nootropic is not going to change everything. <laughs> Again, you just have to have, you know, the solid foundation. But I think there is a lot of research that's coming out and more to come. But we do have an expert coming on very soon that's going to talk more about nootropics. So you guys can have a better understanding of that. Awesome. Cool. Should we jump into personal experience and hacks? Let's just Let's like wrap it. it up into one. Yeah. Um, all right. I guess I'll kick it off. So for anyone that's been listening to the show for a while, you know, I've had struggles with brain fog for a very long time and sometimes it comes back, not as much as it used to, but I'm always figuring out 
what makes it worse, what makes it better. And I think it all started back when I had the Epstein-Barr virus and I had major adrenal dysfunction. So it was causing this significant brain fog. And for someone that hasn't experienced brain fog, I think it's hard for them to comprehend what it feels like. Like I yeah, had- sure. And I try to explain it to people because, and when I have, when I have new patients come in and they're like, "You don't understand what it's like," I'm like, "Oh, yes, I do." I have had days where my brain fog was so bad, I literally had to stop and think, "Wait, is my name Renee? Is that my first name?" I'm not. Oh, kidding. wow! Like I had to stop and really think, like stuff like that that your brain should automatically know. I was second guessing, and that's mm-hmm. terrifying. So overcoming the brain fog has been a huge part of my health journey. And like I said, I still notice things that make it worse. If I don't get eight to nine hours of sleep, I do notice a little bit of that. Um, Not severe brain fog, but a little bit of cognitive dysfunction. Drinking alcohol the next day, I definitely experience that. If I have too many carbs at breakfast, not enough protein, I will experience that uh, brain fog in the afternoon. But so what really helps for me too is CBD. So again, it's that neuroinflammation. And also I get really bad brain fog if I'm too stressed. So if I have, if I'm running around getting ready for work, that's very stressful on my brain. Or if just something kind of scares me, that initiates that stress response. So I'll immediately go and take a hit of my CBD and it definitely calms down the nervous system and it helps with that inflammation. Um, Druggy. <laughs> yeah. I love my CBD and I'm always trying new ones. Actually, I just got a new CBD that's really better for daytime because I've always been taking it for sleep. And this one combines L-theanine, which is a really good calming agent to take during the day. And there's zero THC in it because probably not ideal to take THC during the day. (laughs) Maybe before bed is okay. So I like that this one's just CBD. Um, I don't know. A lot of people are experiencing benefits from that, especially if you're going to do physical activity or... I think that's pretty individual. So I don't know. That's a little bit of my my experience. I don't. Do you want me to go into my favorite hacks, or do you want to share your story? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Let's do it all at once. Okay. So I would say my favorite hack is Four Sigmatics Lion's Mane Mushroom Coffee. So again, if we're looking back at the BDNF factor, Lion's Mane we know is really good for that. It uh, stimulates nerve growth factor and brain drive neurotropic factor. So. Uh, really helpful for that. And I love that they combine the lion's mane with the coffee because it's just yummy and delicious. And I still get a little bit of my caffeine with it. So that's one of my favorites. And then one of my newer favorites is Memento Nootropic Creamer. You all need to look this up. It's awesome. And I think we'll talk about it more in a future episode, but it's this blend of lion's mane, uh, MCT oil, specifically the C8 chain, Uh, of MCT and some other factors, but you can actually just blend it in your coffee. You can drink it off a spoon, however you want to take it. And it was actually created by two brothers who have a a very high increased risk for Alzheimer's. Their grandfather passed from Alzheimer's and now their dad has Alzheimer's. So they're very driven to, you know, provide this product and share the word about how to protect your brain and improve brain function. So anyways, Definitely check them out. It tastes really, really yummy. So I would say uh, lion's mane and memento. Those are my favorite hacks. Yeah, I need to try the Ooh. memento. I haven't had that yet. Well, you I'm tried. Sold. You tried it at Paleo, I right? Did. I think you had the. You probably went by the booth and sampled it. Oh my gosh, product overload. If I did, I, I don't remember. <laughs> or the product yeah. hadn't kicked in enough 
to consolidate that memory. Yeah. Well, they really just <laughs> released it about a month ago. I think at Paleo, <laughs> they were telling me they only had like 20 bottles, but now it's on Amazon. It's also on their website. So we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Amazing. So exciting for them. Yeah. Cool. All right. Enough about me. Yeah. I mean, I love the lion's mane mushroom coffee as well. I'm just like so hooked on all the four sigmatic mushroom blends. Really cool. But as I said earlier, like I've always, I've always joked that I have a terrible memory and I've never been a great sleeper. And I think there's a huge connection there. So I'm really working on getting more REM and deep sleep. My hacks are actually like more connected to sleep. So I really like taking L-theanine and glycine for sleep. Those are amino acids because mm. that's going to help calm down my brain. So we are talking about brain health here. Like I am using those to calm my nervous system so that I can go to sleep so I can get the lymphatic system to do the full recovery process so I can consolidate the memories. And that I really think is had a huge, um, a huge boost for my brain function. Yeah. What else? I, I experienced some adrenal fatigue, so my HPA access was compromised for a little while, and I did notice then that my focus and concentration abilities were were not as great. But I just was like tired. Like I was working out way too much. We've talked about this on the show before, like exercising way too much, not getting enough sleep and recovery, and I could feel it. So it just was like a direct impact on my brain, and I can feel that. And I even feel that like I don't exercise too much now. Like I, I know my balance, but just as far as talking about like stress balance, if I am driving in a car for too long, I have the same kind of feeling that I get when I overexercise. So this comes back to like really knowing your body and what your limits are and what activity is going to like tip that stress balance in a negative direction. And that's really just tuning into your body. Like you said, Renee, like you know exactly when you've had too much and you go to your CBD and that works for you. Like this is 1000% personal. So, um, so yes, yeah, so the, I, I love the mushroom coffee just for focusing, like getting work done at home. I don't do well on just like regular coffee because it picks me up and drops me, but I find that the mushroom complexes really keep me pretty even. And I'm going to throw in a free hack for you. Nature, nothing like wakes me up and makes me feel happier and gives me all of those happy hormones and also like really helps my focus and concentration. Nothing helps me as much as like just going outside and breathing fresh air, getting sunshine. And again, we're going to talk about that more on the next episode, which I'm really yeah. excited about. Can we tell our audience who's coming on? I think we should do it because it's going to come out just a week later. Yeah. Go for it. So we have uh, Dr. Austin Perlmutter. He is coming on our show. He just wrote a new book with his father, David Perlmutter. It is called Brainwash, and it's probably the most exciting book I've read in a very long time. And he is going to go into his protocol for hacking the brain. So that'll be next. Yeah. And then we have Dr. Michael DeMarco, who is going to talk about meditation and some plant medicine stuff, which we haven't gone into it all on the show yet. So really exciting. And then I'm going to hold back just a little bit on you, but we have an <laughs> exercise expert that's going to talk about the link between exercise and brain health. And then we're going to do some nootropic stuff. Yeah. Cause I know everyone's been asking me about nootropics and I will say just to throw one out there, cause I, a lot of the questions we got for this episode were just what nootropics to take. There's so many out there. How do I know what works? 
again, it's personalized. I think just trying to test different ones and seeing what works for you. But again, that future episode is going to be helpful. I think just one product to throw out there that we both really like is Cognitropic by Premier Research Labs. It's a little bit of a proprietary blend, but it's showing amazing results in improved memory and improved cognitive function. So I really like that product. And just to throw one out there to you. Yeah, I love that one too. And we both have tried a lot and there's one pretty major company that we've both tried that won't mention it. I think you like it, but I it does not work for me at all. So again, just like figure out what works for you. And actually our guest that's coming on to talk about nootropics, his company is geared towards personalization and they really, really promote just trying different things. And they actually do like a little quiz to sort of guide you into buying the right one, but also they're like trial and error, figure out what works for you because what works for me is not going to work for you. So that's exciting. That's kind of like a new product I'm trying right now called Remrise, where you do an online quiz and then they formulate your sleep formula or sleep cool. supplement based off of that. So yeah, I think that's another health trend we're going to see in 2020, more personalized programs, nutrition, things like that. Yeah, it's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, and, and interesting what you were saying about the product that didn't work for you. I know Ben Greenfield has talked about this before, how nootropics can be very demanding for the brain. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have enough of, I think it's like carnitine, B vitamins, CoQ10, I forget which nutrients, but if you don't have high enough levels of those, sometimes the nootropics can actually be depleting. So again, everyone's different. Right. So that's probably like a neurotransmitter balance, right? Because yeah, like excitatory and inhibitory. And if those neurons are like too excited, that could just like tip you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. So, so much more on that. (laughs) Um, But we hope you enjoyed this episode. This is just our foundation for brain health and we're just going to keep going into it. It's just like such an awesome, exciting topic. So stay tuned for all of our guest interviews to come. And if you have any more questions about anything we talked about today, DM us or email us at thebiohackerbabes at gmail.com. And we just wanted to wish everyone a happy new year. We're so excited to be back for season two. We are coming back with tons of exciting things. And yes, (laughs) anything else, Renee? Yeah. And depending on when you're listening to this episode, just a reminder, the Biohacker Babes New Year Stronger You 21 Day Challenge has kicked off um, January 6th. If you're listening to that today, uh, this today, you can definitely still join. It's not too late. So definitely check that out. Um, DM us if you have any questions, but we would love to have you in the challenge. Yeah. So we're going to do exercise videos, nutrition videos. We're going to give you lots of biohacking tips along the way. We have accountability through our Facebook group and access to us daily. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's our second annual challenge. Woohoo. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We are done with today. Brain health. Stay tuned for much more and we will see you next time. Thanks everyone for tuning in. See you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Happy biohacking.